Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of Trinity Church in Carryville, Tennessee, right outside of Memphis. For more information about our church, please visit our website, trinity901.com. So we've come to the final vision that has been revealed to Zechariah. And it's a culmination of an important message to the people of God who have returned from exile. And we've talked about this previously. It's twofold. Rebuild the temple so that my presence can dwell on earth amongst my people. And so the nations of the world will see my glory. And because of your covenant faithfulness and my covenant love, they will flock to this temple on Mount Zion and recognize that their gods are inferior and your God is superior, rebuild the temple. Secondly, spiritual renewal, covenant obedience. It is time to worship me properly. It is time to obey the covenant properly. You need to realign your hearts as I have often mentioned. Now we see in our passage the number four. And that is just symbolic of north, south, east, and west. The totality of the world that the horses are going out to on behalf of the Lord our God. Now here's something else that's important that I want you to understand. The bronze mountains. This is important. It's important to have context regarding the temple. In Solomon's temple, the one that was destroyed, the entrance to the Holy of Holies was marked by two bronze pillars. And so this vision is talking about the entrance into the throne room of God. Remember, the temple is a reflection of the heavenly throne room. And so when God talks about sending out His Spirit, sending out these four horses, He is saying that they are coming from Me. They are coming from the throne room. So He's tying the imagery of the temple and the importance of rebuilding the temple to the heavenly temple, the heavenly throne room. And He's saying to Zechariah, and ultimately He's saying to the people of God, I am going to be at work amongst you. It is coming from me, from my very throne to you. Then you also see the horses going to the north, two going to the north, one going to the south. What about the fourth horse? There is great debate amongst scholars regarding that fourth horse and it not being mentioned and I don't know what the answer is. It's confusing and they are all over the place. But for whatever reason, in this vision that's been given to Zechariah, three of the horses are going forth. Two to the north, one to the south. Now what does that mean? Well, the north represents Persia. This is the great enemy of the Israelites. Remember, the Persians defeated the Babylonians and the Assyrians, excuse me, the Assyrians, and they are the ones that allowed a remnant of Jews to return from exile and to go to Jerusalem. 
but they are still considered a mighty threat to the people of God. The Persian Empire is one of the mightiest nations in the world at that time. And at any moment, they could come down from the north and everything could come to an end. So they are a real threat. And then historically, who has been a threat to the people of Israel? Well, Egypt. And where is Egypt? It's to the south. And so what the Lord is saying through His vision to Zechariah is, I am sending out My Spirit. I am going forth and I am going to bring calmness. I am going to bring peace to the north, your great enemy, the one that you fear, the one that could end this rebuilding process at any moment, and to the south, the place where you escaped slavery, your old enemy. I'm bringing about this peace. Why? Again, it's the theme that we've already discussed. So that you can rebuild the temple and you can focus on covenant renewal. You're not going to feel the stress and the strain and the pressure of these enemies coming in on you, squeezing you. I'm going to bring peace. My spirit is going to go forth so that this can be accomplished. God is saying to Israel, trust in what I'm going to do for you. But there is also a deeper message that is underlying this vision of these horses going forth. The Spirit of God going forth and bringing peace. It's a hint, and we will see this later on in Zechariah, of ultimate peace, ultimate rest. I want to read you a quote from Dr. Barry Webb. He's an Old Testament professor at Moore Theological College in Australia. He says this, This was the rest of God Himself who has completely subdued the rebellious world and established His rightful rule over it. The conclusion of this last vision anticipates the conclusion of the whole book. The day when the Lord will be king over the whole earth and His name the only name. Again, hear that. The rest that God is talking about that He's going to bring is the day when the Lord will be king over the whole earth. His kingdom will be here. It will be established. It will be in full. And all the earth will recognize that there is only one name. And that is the name of our covenant Lord. So there's two things that we're going to talk about this morning. One is that God is for us. Secondly, that God is with us. God is for us, and God is with us. I hate to admit this, but I have never read Lord of the Rings. I, I am a reader. I love to read. But I am not a fantasy fiction guy. That's, that's just not my genre. So every time I would wade into the Lord of the Rings, it was, you know, I'll be truthful, it's like running into Leviticus in the Old Testament. It's just hard for me and, I, and my reading habits are bogged down. And so I remember when they announced the movies, I was so excited because I, 
I was intrigued by the story and a lot of the Christian undertones, but I just didn't think I could read all of the, the works. And so I thoroughly enjoyed the movies. I thoroughly enjoyed them. It was one of my favorites. And there's one particular scene that stands out to me, and I, from time to time, will think about it for different reasons. And if you will remember, Frodo is on the edge of the forest, and he's going to continue his journey by himself. And he's frightened, he's afraid, and he's encouraged by a vision of Gandalf. And he gets in the boat, and he begins to go across the lake, setting out on his own to do this important task, to carry out this important task. And from out of the forest runs Sam. And Sam runs, if you remember the scene from the movie, he runs into the lake. He doesn't even think about the fact that he can't swim. And he begins to drown. But even as he's drowning, he's trying to get to Frodo. Because one of the things that we see throughout the course of the movie is that Sam is committed to his friend. Sam loves his friend. He loves Frodo. He cares about him deeply. He accompanies him every step of the way. He is committed. He is in it to win it. And as I thought about that illustration, about that scene from that movie, it reminded me of Zechariah chapter 6 and that God is with us. But His commitment to us is perfect. His His loyalty to us is perfect. He loves us beyond what we can possibly understand according to Scripture. God is with us. What do I mean by that? Well, if you think about our text this morning, the Lord is saying to His covenant people that I am going to send out My Spirit to subdue your enemies so that you can rebuild. I am with you. I am with you. You don't have to do this on your own. You don't have to do this by yourself. Here you are, you've returned from exile, Jerusalem is destroyed. The entire nation has not returned. You are a shell of what you once were. You you know that the anxiety was, was filling their hearts. And God is saying to them, I am with you. I am coming to help you. I will be beside you. You can do this. And so, there's a big theological word for this in general, but there's also a very specific understanding of this theological word. It's called omnipresence. There's something you can write in your Bible, you can impress your family and friends. Omnipresence means the presence of God is everywhere. And we know according to the Word of God, we know according to our theology, that God is not only everywhere, but He is especially 
with his people. And how often we forget that. We look at the Old Testament from time to time and we see the actions and the behaviors of the Israelites and you just want to go, shame on you. How, with everything the Lord has done for you, can you forget that He is with you? That He's for you? But yet, I know my own troubled heart. I know my own sinful heart. And day by day, I often doubt that God is with me and for me. I'm just like Israel. But as we journey through His Word from Genesis to Revelation, we are reminded of God's accompaniment, of God's loyalty, of God's presence. Think about the garden. He was with Adam and Eve in a close, intimate relationship that He is restoring through Jesus Christ. You think about the tabernacle In the wilderness. God saying to Israel, I am with you. And all of these objects in the tabernacle remind you of where I dwell in perfection in the throne room of heaven. And the Ark of the Covenant is where my feet are firmly established on earth. As you travel, as you experience hardship, as you experience difficulty, as you face the pagan nations of this world, just look and be reminded, I am with you just like I was with you in the garden. And then there is the temple on Mount Zion. The most special place in all of the earth. This is where God dwelt in the Holy of Holies. Remember from our previous examinations of these visions, the golden lampstand shining forth into the darkness that God was always with us. That God is always with His people. And He wants the world to look at Mount Zion. He wants the world to look at the temple. He wants the world to see that shining lampstand in the dark and know that I am Yahweh. I have established a relationship with them. They are my people, and I am the God who rules over the heavens and the earth. We see so many examples in the Old Testament and the New Testament of God being with His people. The greatest example being His Son Jesus coming in the flesh. All the examples of God's presence in the Old Testament lead up to the birth of of Christ, the incarnation, the Word taking on flesh. God is so serious about being with us, about being present, that He walks among us. And this vision in Zechariah is a reminder of the more perfect covenant, the new covenant, and that Jesus has come. And what does Jesus do? He says, I must depart so that the ministry of My Spirit may come to you and dwell in you. This is one of the blessings of the new covenant. So that I may dwell in you in a greater fashion than ever before in the history of God's people. And so... The Holy Spirit resides within us. 1 Corinthians 6.19 Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? He is very serious about the fact 
that He accompanies us, that He walks with us, that we are not on this journey alone. And then you see this table set before you today. A visible reminder to God's people that He is with us. You come to worship to hear the Word. A reminder that He is with you. And then He gives you this physical reminder. God is very serious about reminding His people over and over again of His presence. Ultimately, His love and His grace. So our theologians of our tradition tell us that according to the Word of God, that when we feed on Christ, when we come to the table and we take the elements, that through the Spirit, we enter into His presence. Yes, no doubt. It is mysterious. It is difficult and challenging to understand. But when we take the bread and we take the wine, we come to a deeper and fuller understanding that we are having a meal together as one, as a church family. With who? With Jesus. Not alone. With Jesus. That we are united in Him by taking His body and His blood. It's a reminder of the sacrifice. And that He is at this table. And that it is an appetizer of the full meal and the full banquet that we will experience one day when He's the head of the table forever and ever and ever and we never depart His presence. And so, as you gather here this morning, you come through these doors, I know you come with issues. You come with problems. You come with stresses and difficulties, whether it's marriage or parenting or finances or broader family issues or work struggles. Everybody has something. And so, when you encounter Zechariah chapter 6, just like the nation of Israel, we are reminded, you know what? He's with us. And because He is with you, you can do great things in His name for His glory according to His will. You're not alone. He is with you every single step of the way. And it's easy to forget that because just like Israel, we are fallen people. Trinity, he is with you. Know that. Secondly, God is for us. Now, the big theological word for this is omnipotent. It means that God is all-powerful. And He uses His power not only to rule the world, but also specifically for His people. And I would attest that the greatest use of His power is taking dead hearts and dead souls and bringing them back to life for the sake of His Son, Jesus Christ. Our God is powerful. Here's Psalm 68, 32-35. Sing to God, you kingdoms of the earth. Not just Israel. Sing praises to the Lord. Sing to the One who rides across the ancient heavens. His mighty voice thundering from the sky. Tell everyone about God's power. 
His majesty shines down on Israel. His strength is mighty in the heavens. God is awesome in His sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to His people. Praise be to God. He is omnipotent and He uses His power for us. And so in Zechariah chapter 6, through this vision, God is reminding Israel that He is indeed powerful. And not only is He with them, but that it is His power that is going to bring rest. It is His power that is going to enable them to rebuild the temple. Ultimately, it is His power who raises His Son from the dead who establishes the new covenant, who brings ultimate rest for God's people forever. He is sovereign and He is powerful. He saved Israel from their enemies. He has saved you from your enemy. He has saved me from my enemy. He has the power to rescue us from sin and misery and death. Here's a reminder. How powerful is our God? He is so powerful that He has overcome the sin of this world. He is so powerful that He has turned back our rebellion. He is so powerful, He has removed the hearts within us that are full of decay, and He's given us new hearts that belong to His Son, Jesus. His power is poured forth for me and for you. And so as you come to this table, you are not only reminded that Christ is present in a mysterious way through the work of the Spirit, but you are also reminded of the power of Christ's body and the power of His blood that saves you Perfectly. Trinity, give thanks to God today for His power which saves you and delivers you from any difficult and challenging situation just like Israel in the time of the prophet Zechariah. Take that to heart. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the Lord's table. We thank You that You have not only given us Your Word, but You have given us the bread and the wine to remind us of Your presence and Your power. Your omnipresence and Your omnipotence. God, encourage our hearts today. May we leave this place knowing that You are for us, that You love us, that You care about us, and that we are not alone. Strengthen our very souls this day in worship through Christ Jesus, Your Son. And it's in His name that we pray. Amen.